Welcome to the DILF podcast, as in dad, I'd like to friend. I'm your host, Kevin Selden. And as you know, most of the time, we focus on a raw and honest exploration of parenting from a dad's perspective. And we really try to get into the thick of it. But today, we are happy and lucky to invite on a dad-to-be. And I think that that is a very important topic. I know for many parents out there listening, they might think to themselves, how is this episode going to be relevant to me? Hopefully, this is an opportunity to revisit concerns that you may have had in their infancy with regards to becoming a parent. But more importantly, this is an opportunity to pay it forward. I think there's a lot of men out there who just don't have the support network or the resources that women and moms have when they're pregnant. So we're launching this Expect the Unexpected series just so dads-to-be can be given the opportunity to vocalize their fears. And then we will invite them back a few months later to see how their fears measured up to the realities of parenthood. I'm excited to invite on Kent, an expectant dad, to delve into some of his thought process right now, especially during these crazy times with the coronavirus. So let's dive in. Kent, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Of course. Thank you. So 28 weeks pregnant now? Yes, 28 weeks. Uh, Big appointment tomorrow. It's pretty crazy. That is very exciting. You know, for Laura and I, it was a very long journey for us to get pregnant. And I think it was the same case with you and Aaron, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was one of those things that even when we first started out in our relationship, we were both pretty honest about we weren't sure what we wanted long term as far as a family goes. We just neither one of us really grew up thinking that's it. I really want kids. And so it was like six years ago when we first started talking more seriously about it, but then it didn't just happen. You know, we had sibling, all of our siblings have kids and we were just kind of, I think, expecting that once we kind of just decided that it would just happen and it it didn't, it takes time sometimes. And so we're just really blessed that in the last year, it, it was our turn. I find that we have these very interesting views of what our life will be when we start a family. You know, I I feel like if you look at my life now, it's what I've always wanted. But there was about five years there when we were struggling and trying to get there. And I just feel like I was very hard on myself through that time. And it just made it worse. And it was such a tricky situation. And I didn't have people to talk to about it. And people really only asked my wife how she was doing and, you know, um, how the struggles were. And I feel like um, I di- I wasn't able to see to the other side. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of dads, you know, who are pregnant because you can't really see, you don't have a baby growing in your belly. So you yeah. can't really see the, across the rainbow, you know? Yeah. And especially with family, um, I don't know how much your family knew that you guys were trying or not trying, but I just found that nobody ever asked me. It's just not something anyone ever asks the guy. And even if you're the family member, it just doesn't really come up very often. One partner is having to take on a lot of that themselves. You mean like people are asking Aaron, but not you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and even people that don't know her, just based on the fact that she's married and she's you know in her 30s or something like that, then people just ask unsolicited. 
I think it's that's a societal thing, but it, it was just really strange to me. And that was when I was first kind of aware of through this process that it would be two different lanes in how to understand and and be there and cope with things in different ways. I think that's really fascinating because I think that's something that that no one really addresses. I think mm-hmm. it's such an interesting dynamic when you want a kid and everyone's asking. And so the pressure goes up. And then after a certain period of time, they stop asking. Because for me, it was like, I didn't mind when they asked because I wanted a kid. And oftentimes, I wasn't part of the conversation, just like you said. But there was a point where I kept bringing it up to people. And it mm. got awkward. People were like, oh, God, we're still talking about how you want a kid and it's not working. You know? Yeah. And it was like people didn't even want to hear it. They didn't know. Friends with kids felt guilty almost. People didn't want to talk about it. And I, I'm i not a very resentful person, but I started to get frustrated at, the, at you know, little comments. People would be like, maybe it's not in the cards for you. And I would be like, are you kidding me? But mm-hmm. I understand they were trying, I think, to get me open to adoption and other things, which we did eventually open up to. And it wasn't, we didn't get pregnant until we actually opened up to almost every option. Because I think it was just knowing that it was going to happen really took the pressure off to allow it to kind of happen naturally. But it is a very fascinating thing that people don't know how to talk to guys about it. Because guys aren't used to talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. And I think that's where I was just kind of floored. And it's not only that guys aren't used to talking about it is that people aren't used to talking about it with guys or bringing it up with guys around a lot, unless you're initiating that conversation. Yeah. After we got pregnant, someone asked if we would talk to uh, close friends of theirs because they just had a miscarriage and they know that we had struggled and they thought maybe it would be nice to hear from someone who struggled and then saw the other end. And I thought it was interesting because they had no idea the guy's perspective. Wow. They, They were like, we hadn't even thought to ask. It was just they wanted us to talk to the to the wife. And I found that so interesting because I think a lot of guys, even during, you know, the the craziness that can happen as you struggle to try and get pregnant, no one talks about miscarriages. No one talks about this stuff. And that's mo- even just for the, the women, a lot of women aren't talking about it. Luckily, we're starting to break through that barrier, but definitely not with men, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's why it's so important that we have talks like this, because it's not just about people with kids. It's about people who want kids, knowing that it's not always as easy as the 80s sitcoms make it seem. Yeah. Yeah. I think just vocalizing those things that we don't want to happen. Yeah. And and whether we want to vocalize them or whether we have hangups about that and, and really getting into those those fears. Well, let's get into some of those fears. Obviously, well, speaking um, of, <laughs> speaking of, well, mostly because the important thing in this episode, I think, is not just about you starting to access those things so they don't impound and become bigger issues than they actually are. Because a lot of the fears that that you'll have will rectify themselves when the babies come out. But I think it's very important to vocalize them and figure out what they are. Because a lot of times as guys, we don't, we've discussed this, we don't have a baby growing in our belly. So a lot of times we're not even thinking about a lot of those things. And that makes it very terrifying when the baby finally pops out, you know? Yeah. Have you, uh, obviously right now there's the, the coronavirus going on. So that is a very confusing thing. It's just like a pressure cooker, Kevin. Exactly. It's like another pressure cooker and another thing to worry about, but you know. I know you've written kind of a list of fears. Yeah, you gave me some homework. 
You know, you told me that this going on this podcast with you would tell me everything I need to know about being a dad. Yeah. So I'm following. <laughs> I'm following all of your advice and doing all the homework. So I hope that this is it. I've got it here. I've got my pen and paper. Let's see. Well, well, let's read one of them. All right. Well, you know, you told me to do a top 10 list and I actually did 10 and I went 10 to one and I put a lot of time and thought into this. Uh, the, I really did. And then I asked him to cut out and five then, and, and just do the top five. It was a mind five. game. I said, what are you doing to me, you monster? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What so, is your 10? What is number 10 out of curiosity? Well, I, number 10 is, am I prepared? Am I ready? And, and I'm thinking things like, do I have the car seat? Do I have the things that I, that I will see? Need? That's what's not even worth our time. Come on. No one's prepared on to nine. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, I had to start somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. I, right now I, we're going in the third trimester here and we've got like one little shelf with some things that people have given us. We're, we're, we are flying blind right now as far as even registering. So we got some things to do. So that's kind of where I'm at in the fatherhood game right now. So I am thinking about like, what do we need? That's yeah, kind of where yeah. I'm at. If you can go back that far into your memory bank. Oh, I can. All those sleepless nights to think about how trivial it was that you were worried about what you were going to have in your house. But yes. I thought that I was going to be super dad. I was very cocky. I thought that, that I was going to be such a, a master when he came out, which, you know, he only wanted the boob and not me, but, uh, but leading up to it, I also thought I would be so equipped when we were pregnant and I was confident in the beginning. And then I started to just have like mini panic attacks. And I realized it was because I had no one to talk to. Mm. So that's one okay. of the reasons it's so important to me uh, when I told someone I wanted to do an expecting unexpected and talk to expectant dads, they were like, why? It's a parenting podcast. They're not parents yet. And I actually thought that was a very important thing because for me, I had no one to talk to and it just made it terrifying. And I didn't want to add fears, you know, to my wife and add, add things on her plate. And I feel like I took on the registry because I felt like I needed to do something. I needed control over something. And I really dug in so deep. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to episode um, one, Kent, but I literally stopped every woman with a baby. And I was yes, like, tell yes. me what you know. I <laughs> love that. And that is so not me. I am like, <laughs> I will never be overprepared for this. And I know that. And that's why I'm not overpreparing. But here's the one thing I will say that I was hopefully a saving grace for you. And I try really hard to, I do very bad at it, but I try not to ever give advice on this. I try to just ask questions and give space to learn things. But as I say that, here's a piece of advice. I do not believe, and many moms will probably goff at me for saying this, but you don't need that much in the beginning. You really don't. You have time to get everything together. I registered for things I kid you not, Kent, until he was like age two. Like I even had the toilet seat and my friend was like, you don't freaking need that. Like no one's buying that for you on the registry because the kid can't even move when he comes out. And I was like, I need everything. <laughs> and honestly, it just took up storage in a room because it was, I, you don't need it immediately. But you know what? It was nice to have it. It was nice to have it when you needed it. It's right? true, but I'm just saying you've got a lot of downtime when the baby comes out. All right. What people don't realize when the baby comes, it's not like you're th you are throwing this baby and it's scary and obviously the baby cries, but the baby sleeps a lot. 
and the baby's eating a lot. And you have a lot of time if you want to sit. You don't have to have everything before. You should have you should have something set up for your sanity. But at the end of the day, you need a very short list of things, which we yeah, don't have to yeah. go through here. You could Google them. I can talk to you about it later. But it's like you don't yeah. need that much. But but aside from the things you need, what else? What other fears? Yeah, do you have? I mean, safety is one right now that I think is really magnified because of the the virus and and, and safety is really broad. Yeah. That's so. I'll kind of breeze past that because I think it's kind of obvious and it's not really the biggest fear. The fears for me that really kind of come out is. Well, out of curiosity, Ken, just because I want to make sure we're not brushing over something serious. There's obviously fears of Corona, which Mm -hmm. everyone has, and this is a really crazy time. So obviously giving birth and that kind of stuff is a natural fear that we Mm -hmm. can all understand. But do you have fears with regards to uh, the way you hold the baby? You know, I, I was so worried about when the baby would turn over. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some of that. And I think, you know, even just like strapping that child in for the first time and driving them home, you know, I'm sure that's just going to be terrifying. And I've heard that I, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I talked to my brother-in-law about it and, you know, cause my sister had joked with him that he was driving like five miles an hour home. And I, I can understand how someone could do that. And yet I'm, not in that position yet. And I can't even really imagine what that responsibility kind of weight all of a sudden feels like. And that actually goes probably more to the number one thing on my list, which I can just jump up to because it's just absolutely like, are you healthy? Is everything okay? Mom and baby, that's like it, you know, because that's what's that's the only thing that's really gonna everything kind of stems from there on if I, if all of a sudden Aaron's going into labor, it's just like, are you going to be okay? Is this baby going to be okay? Are we going home? You know, that's it for me. Okay. It's interesting. Okay. So hearing you say that two things, first of all, with the car thing, it was the most terrifying thing ever leaving the hospital. It was, and we were there for a while in the NICU. So it like impounded everything, but then all of a sudden some time passes and then it's not as big of a deal. You know, there's nothing you can really do with regards to the driving. It is very freaking weird to all of a sudden have a baby in the car. Every time someone speeds past you, I feel like an 80 year old grandma. I put my hand on my hip and I'm like, you better slow down. I got a baby on board. Do you have a sticker? Do you have a sticker? I have, I have a, it's something that sticks on the back of the window, but it just keeps falling off. I didn't want to do a sticker. Maybe I need to do a sticker. You just, yeah. But with regards to you jumping to number one, this is interesting because on one hand, I feel like you're so evolved that you have thought of the most important thing, which is the health of your baby and, and the health of, of the mom, which I think is wonderful. But even though we know in the bigger picture that is extremely important, I think that bypasses the point of this episode, which is to say your feelings matter too. It is very hard as a man, especially as an expectant dad, to take the time to look at your feelings, but that's what we're here for. So I would like you to take a second and just look at your list and think, there are guaranteed, you're having a freaking baby, so there are fears that you have. And although you're justified in saying, I just want a healthy baby, I know that if you go deep enough, there are fears. So let's let other guys out there know that it's okay. Oh, it's okay. But I think my biggest fear is that something isn't okay. 
with the health of either one of those. So I will push well, back a that, little bit because that's my yeah. biggest fear. That's very that something's, justified. Something's not good. Something's not right. right. And that's terrifying to me. And that's that thing that you can't control and you don't, you, you, you don't have any control over that right now. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but the reason that that one is a tough thing to address is because Kent, my friend, I don't think that ever goes away. The second you find out that you're pregnant, I don't think you will ever not feel that way. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the baby comes out and the baby's healthy and the mom's healthy. And then all of a sudden something happens. And you're like, well, is that normal? And then it's like something else. The baby falls. Is it? Is he okay? Is she okay? And I feel like that's just what you have an extra weight once you become a parent. Even mm-hmm. once the baby is forming, I don't know that that will ever change. You will just consistently for the rest of your life feel a responsibility to know, is this baby, is everything okay? Is yeah. everything going to be okay? Did I do something wrong? That's just a new way of life. So you're yeah. getting used to it. And I don't, it gets easier. So, but kind of, it's just the new normal. So fair to say that's a really strong number one. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's a very strong number one, but it doesn't deal with your feelings. <laughs> Although okay. I'm sure all moms and dads can relate to it. Okay. You know, I've got my fears. I, I think I'm going to have to jump around a little bit on the list, but please. My fears are kind of, will I be a good dad? Um, am I ready for this in, in the emotional sense, like emotionally fighting, finding stability and being there and you just, I think so much of it comes down to those, those feelings of it. Have I, the way I've been living my life, is this what I need to do in order to raise the kind of person that I that I hope to raise. It's kind of a weird thing to describe, but it comes down. It's to, not. I totally understand. Yeah. It, navigating conflict is one that rose up as I was giving it a lot of thought. You know, I want to be able to navigate conflict in my marriage, in, in my nurturing of this child in a way that's responsible that you learn and it's just that delicate balancing act. And it's those things that you see and you judge as a person that's not a parent. And you're like, gosh, I hope I know how to navigate that. I hope I can do that and find those kinds of, you know, those lines that you're trying to build structure in someone's life and build them up as a person. So those are the kinds of things that I really like, I just have doubts about my ability to do that. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not a planner, but I'm also someone who's not just flying by the seat of their pants, if that makes sense. I, it and, does. and so trying to find that balance and is hard as a person, but when you've got some other person that's, that is dependent on you, is that going to be enough or is it going to have to be that I have to have more structure in my life? You know, one of the things that we've been able to do and and work on a lot for the two of us, because we realized what we needed to be doing is, you know, adding some more structure to our lives financially and stability wise with how we live. And that's kind of that transformation we're seeing now. And now it's kind of like, am I going to be able to, to provide and be that kind of rock for my child that I have been able to be blessed with? 
as a as a person growing up in my family and I do come from a very stable home and so that's such a blessing and something that I do not try to take for granted but it's also something like I want to provide that and I don't know how I will do you know it's just yeah I think that's what it really comes down to for me those things that I think about it kind of encapsulates a lot of those but right it's really going to pretty much boil down to can I do this am I a good am I going to be a good dad you know if you want me to be honest yeah i i think that um that was very honest and i think all of us kind of feel that way i think the ironic thing is i was so cocky in believing i was going to be such a good dad that i didn't question enough of these things and so I had moments where I would get frustrated with the crying. And then I was like, I guess I suck at this, you know, because I thought I would be so good. I didn't allow myself any room for F-ups because I thought I was going to be so good. So that was really hard. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that you are taking the time to acknowledge these things and, and analyzing it. Because I think the stability and consistency is so important uh, for a baby and I think it's beautiful that you're already talking about that. Yeah, yeah. In in the work that I do, I a lot of times you see what can happen and devastate people. And so it's hard not to think about those things that can come along and turn everything upside down. Yeah, and for everyone listening, Kent is a very talented news anchor. and uh, And so he deals with a lot of things going on in the world. And it, this is a... A very fascinating time to be bringing a baby into the world, and I'm sure it brings to light. Um, you know more than most of us, I'm sure, with regards to Corona. There are a lot of. Uh, I don't think anyone knows a lot about Corona right now, unfortunately, and that's the problem. I mean, we're learning a lot. We're trying to understand so much. Um, I. It's it's such an odd time to be bringing someone into the world. And to yeah. be going through all of this, you know, and it, yeah, it, there's just the, the good thing that we've been looking at with all the studies. And as you can imagine, covering this literally every day since very beginning of March. But one thing that hasn't really changed is, is that thank God, there are very few added problems, specific to pregnant women and to young children. Not right. that, now that's a huge caveat in that and saying that there are obviously risks and anytime you're pregnant, there are, you are just more, you, you are naturally at a higher risk because of certain of things, especially with respiratory. Uh, but as far as impact on young children and infants, for the most part, this is a disease that's been devastating to people who are older. And so there are, yeah. there are just, but it's just a very different time and still very odd to think about your appointments changing um, and being consolidated or maybe even not being able to be in the delivery room as a husband. Um, that, yeah. Tell us about that. They told you that you, you can't be in the delivering room as that, a father. That's not the case here yet. It's still right now in Minnesota. It is basically yeah. plus one only essentially. Um, that's for our health system right now anyway, but there have been some places in the world and I don't know if it's New York as well, but 
uh, where there's even a spouse at this point, they just don't want anyone else in from what I had yeah. heard. Um, and so that's a really tough decision for people. You know, we're, we're due at the end of June. So we've got a little bit of time, but it's not going to be changing a whole lot. I don't think by that point, as far as I do think we'll still be, we'll still be not gathering in big groups and there'll probably still be restrictions in places like hospitals and birthing centers and things like that, just because of the, what we know so far and what we know what's on the horizon as far as treatments and all of that. Yeah. It's just really surreal to think about that and think about having a young child and trying to keep them safe on top of just everything else that's, that's going on. Well, I will say that, um, as scary as all of this is, I have full confidence that when we come back together for the second part of this episode, that a lot of these things will have solved themselves and you and Aaron will be doing a beautiful job because at the end of the day, as much as everything you're bringing up is a very justified fear, if you have a strong relationship with your partner and you're communicating and supporting each other and you're on the same page, then you can tackle any of these things. They just add added strain, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're not, if you're not communicating with your partner, then all of a sudden financial woes become battleground. But if you have a communication open lines where you're talking about your fears with each other, then you can tackle anything. And that is maybe cliche, but I think it's very true. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And it has been like this process and even with the stay at home order and things like that, we have had a lot of time together to be able to talk about some of these things and our fears and, and some of our concerns with what's coming in the next few months. And it has, you know, it's, it's a vulnerable time for all of us and we're seeing all of those things come out and we both have jobs right now. My, my wife, Erin, she works in senior living and that's a scary thing too. I mean, right. to be honest, we've spent more time being concerned and worrying about that than we've spent time worrying about the pregnancy at this point. We know that little child is rolling and kicking and getting its exercise in right now and totally socially isolated. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. I feel like the, it, the last episode we did where we talked um, about how to not pass on anxieties to our kids during this crazy time, uh, what it led me to was the best thing that we could do is find actions that we can take to distract ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's the best thing instead of obsessing about the pregnancy since things are going okay to, mm -hmm. to focus on other things. And I think both of you are doing great things for the world. So that's a great thing to kind of distract you and, and keep you occupied. Yeah. And it's actually, it's been fun because, you know, we can be in the middle of talking about something that's so heavy and so scary. And then all of a sudden she feels this little living thing inside of her turn. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I go over there and it's just like, it's gone. And so it's been more for us. It's almost like it's way of telling us, Hey, you know what? There's something else going on here too. That's really special. So that's been really neat for us. Cause honestly, it's pull pulling us up a little bit, which, you know, we'll just, uh, 
we'll just take that while we can get it. It's true. The funny thing about Corona, in my opinion, and all of this lockdown is the fact that there's a lot of people out there who are single, who are very bored right now. And there's a lot of seniors out there who are trying to stay safe and also are very bored. I don't think there's a parent on the planet that's bored. <laughs> um, and, no. and at the end of the day, it might be exhausting. I mean, my wife and I are flipping exhausted by the time Wyatt goes to sleep. But, and we only have one. We know people with three, yeah. you know? Yeah, and uh, and it's tricky, but at the same time, we are ne- it's never a lack of entertainment. Like we laugh a lot throughout the day, and there is a lot of tricky times, and a, you know there's fits, and it's hard. Uh, he hug tackled a kid the other day because like he saw him like <laughs> kicking a ball, and he was so excited to see another kid. He just went and got him, and the kid did not care. The kid then in response grabbed his hand. They were so excited to like touch and and see each other and it was like how do you break them up you know yeah, then you go it rip is, them away like some it's that, out of it, a it was movie. it's very confusing and tricky but at the same time there's no lack of um of excitement you know yeah so yeah. know that you will not be bored but i feel like at the end are you planning on any paternity leave at all we get two weeks so yes i am going to be taking two weeks and then I will probably take another week or as much as I can after that. Um, not, I, I think we've kind of been just talking about it now, but I think I'll take the two weeks and then I'll go back and then probably take another week uh, again later Yeah, to kind of give, give a chance, especially as Aaron's starting to go back to work um, to try to figure all, figure all of that out. You know, I had a guest on recently. Um, the episode has yet to air, but he is from Canada. And their uh, leave policy, are you ready for it? It's 18 months split between the two spouses. So you can do oh 10, gosh. she can do eight. And it's like, it's not fully paid, but it's guaranteed that your job can't be given away. And then like, like Social Security, you have kind of a certain amount of your paycheck that goes towards it. So you get that money paid out during that time period so you could spend some quality time. I feel like that's why a big issue for this podcast is working on paid leave because Mm -hmm. I feel like we need better policies with regards to it. But thank God that you're taking the time you have to really bond. Yeah. I'm so excited to be able to do it. And, you know, I wish I could have more time, but it will be just so nice to be able to have that time together. I think more than anything the whole family together. I think it's wonderful. Are there any more fears on your list that we have not yet addressed that you would like to vocalize? Um, I don't know that this is a fear that you can really have until you're in it, but it's something that enough people have talked to me about guys that I wrote it down. So, yeah. uh, it, and it's just the connection. Um, the fear, uh, kind of the fear that others have had after after that initial delivery, and you've got an infant with you, and then not feeling as connected or feeling some kind of like odd separation that you didn't expect. Uh-huh. And I don't really know how to even vocalize that because it's not something that I've necessarily felt. But I've had friends tell me that you know, for the first while it was just hard because they didn't feel as close or as profound of a connection as they thought in their head going in. 
I love that you brought that up. I think that um, it's a very brave thing to bring up. And I know you're not necessarily feeling it entirely, but I love when people are brave enough to say this because I did find it to be the case. I, uh, I thought, again, cocky, that I would just have such a strong connection. And it wasn't that I didn't have a love for my son. I did have these very strong moments, but every baby is different. So I can't speak to you know, what every situation is like. But for us, our child was so connected to my wife who, and her big concern was that she wouldn't feel a connection. I was sitting here cocky being like, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to be great with this kid. And then my wife was like, what if he doesn't like me, you know? Mm -hmm. And yet they had such a strong bond and he just wanted to be with her and, um, and, and I would rock him and he would not stop crying. She would just touch him and he would stop crying immediately. And I was like, oh my God, I suck at this. And I feel like that's something where a lot of guys don't talk about it. And there's a lot of shame there. And I don't think it has anything to do with the guy. I think it's just, we have to work a little harder in the beginning because the baby didn't grow inside of us. And the baby may know our voice, but the baby doesn't know our scent as much. And the baby... You know, there's so many bonds that the baby has with the mom just because the baby grew inside the mom. The baby hears the mom's voice 24 hours a day, you know? Mm -hmm. And add to that, they're coming out fourth trimester. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but they are, you know, not fully formed when they come out. And they are, they were in this cave without sound. So like they keep Mm -hmm. their eyes closed because they're like, what the heck is this bright light? And why is the noise so loud when I get out? So they're just dealing with all that. And we as dads are like, why won't you love me? You know, and I feel like the best thing I did to combat it was I did um, night feeds just to let, uh, luckily I'm a, a night person, but I let my wife sleep and I did it because he was half asleep anyway. So he didn't care who was giving the bottle. He didn't know if it was boob or not. And then I got the bond time I needed, you know, and he was yeah. half asleep, but I felt, I felt connected to him even though he was sleeping. And that was really helpful to me, but I think it is a very justified thing to vocalize. And I think the biggest thing that I can say to it is just give it time because when they first come out, it may feel like you don't have a strong connection, but they're not fully formed until like four months, you know? Mm -hmm. So you need to give them time to get their personality and to get comfortable with the world. It really is, has nothing to do with us as dads, but because we don't have that upper edge of boobs or the support network to know that every dad is feeling this then it becomes a, a kind of a shame thing. So know that I don't think you'd be alone in having that fear. And it, it goes away. And at the end of the day, you just need time to bond because biology isn't necessarily on our side, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think I've actually, I don't know, I, I have to give kudos to a couple of my friends who kind of spoke with me about it and told me, and they I think they were just trying to kind of like warn me a little bit, which is really refreshing because I don't think I could have that fear in the same way after hearing about it, because then you know it's okay. You know know that it's just part of the process, because it demystifies it, because really it's one of those things that they both told me once they got through that period, they realized, oh, it was just a thing, that I just didn't feel it yet, and that's okay, you know? So I... But I'm, I'm glad I brought it up, too, because it's just hearing you talk about it, just having that little bit of understanding that this is a part of the process. I think it kind of gets to the whole point of the podcast, which is 
you know, you need to hear it from someone sometimes. I love that. And that is a, a wonderful place for us to kind of wrap up this first part by saying that um, having the bravery to communicate and vocalize these things kind of demystify them and make it not as scary. And, uh, and that's why I think an episode like this is so important. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on, Kent, and being kind of brave enough to talk about your own fears and your experiences thus far. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to coming back and then realizing how many things I forgot to mention. (laughs) (laughs) I will say it's not easy, but it's the most wonderful job I've ever had. And I think you're going to love it. And I think that it is more rewarding than, than words can express. But I just think the more that we can create forums for men to be able to talk about fears makes it so it's a much easier process. And I think men deserve time to express their feelings and room to express their feelings as much as women do. Well, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. And thanks for what you're doing. Well, I will talk to you more soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening.